then he reverses up to the door of the hot dog shop and and Gilmore's like, what are you doing, man? And Slee's like, watch this. And he, he puts it in first or whatever and just try, starts doing a burnout, what he thought was a burnout. There's smoke everywhere. And all I remember is I'm in the back. I'm in the back laughing. I'm like, man, this burnout's sick. And so we we go around the parking block and come and Slee's like, oh, I want to check out my marks. And we go there and there's no black marks. <laughs> just It's just all clutch. Welcome to another my two life podcast this is mike sleater and today we have a special guest longtime friend all around just great guy josh strang man this guy's kind of done it all when it comes to off-road isde gncc champion sprint enduro champion he's now a father to a beautiful young boy maverick he's got an amazing wife cameron and he can drink a lot of beer i know for a fact uh, he's a good friend of mine we've log locked logged lots of miles on the bicycle i've been able to race him on a motocross track and i can say it's been one time and i got to beat him so it's a pleasure to have josh string on this show and uh it's going to be good we dive deep into the how his career started and where it is today and where it's going to go so this show would not be possible without our sponsors so let me give a quick reel that's uh, the pinnacle nutrition group company i'm part of um really proud of this company we got the, some of the best nutrition in the market hydration gels josh uses them himself to uh land on that podium and off-road um 100 eyewear they keep our vision clear and clean when we're on our moto and our bicycle um simi valley cycles they're who support me when i ride i choose a yz450 from simi valley family-owned business up in uh, northern la go see those guys enough of that you don't want to hear it. You probably already skipped over it. Let's dive deep into the story of Josh Strang. All right, guys. Uh, we got the man, the myth, the legend, Australian's very own Josh Strang on the line. Josh, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. It's been a minute since we caught up. I, you had a great weekend last weekend, and I wanted to call you, but I've thought we'd save it for this podcast and uh it's really cool man i've been you know good friends with you for a lot of years we've been you know apart across the world across the country literally but uh seeing your resurgence to back to the top has been pretty awesome kind of if you want to touch on the weekend since it's here and now let's let's dive into it yeah yeah well it has been a while since uh i mean we keep in contact but it's been a while since we've uh since since we caught up but yes uh man that I mean, no, no, we're not at the top yet. <laughs> we're going. We're, I'm just. Keep, I just keep plugging away, man. I just feel like I don't think I change a whole lot of stuff, but I think just things comes in come in waves. And and at the moment, I've been doing fairly well. And towards the end of last year, I I started feeling uh, good, and then I got injured, uh, and then we went into off season. So I think I kind of just picked off where I picked up where I left off, and it's been good. There's a couple of guys been out injured, but. Uh, that's part of the sport. So I'm, I feel like even if they were still racing, I'd, I still feel like I'd be competitive, you know? So yeah. uh, it's been a, been a good couple of races. Well, that's, that's part of it, right? Like weathering that storm and battle of attrition. And, you know, one thing that I, this COVID disaster and debacle, as I'd like to say, has been, is one of the things I wanted to touch on. You guys have, you know, you, you see your season starts, you get a couple rounds in and then the COVID, COVID pandemic, kind of just 
overwhelms the world, and you have to go on hiatus. And being a, a GNCC Enduro specialist, you guys, you know, your fitness is, you know, right there with with talent. How did you maintain your peak going on this break with with that with not having to race? Did you what did you do to sustain your fitness uh, to 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 speed? Yeah, so we uh, yeah, the, like you said, the whole COVID thing is another subject on its own and that's it sucks and everything but uh for me i kind of got lucky because i well i really enjoy bicycling as you know uh like i i I do that probably more than i ride my dirt bike which i think for me doing such long races on the weekend i think i need to like ride on the dirt bike to get the quality of riding i need so when i when i want to just get some fitness in or some cardio in, i can get on the bicycle and i can get a lot more out of it so uh for me, I think the, I think it was almost a nine-week break we had with the COVID. So I did a lot of pedaling, and I kept up enough dirt bike riding to where I was still in fairly decent bike shape. So uh, I was almost to the point where I was getting burnt out, where I was like, man, I'm going to have to have a week off, week or two off here if we don't go racing. But luckily enough, we, uh, they, well, they announced the race weekend, and we got the race. So I think I kind of. I reckon I just got lucky enough where I didn't have to stop. I pretty much did everything I was still doing uh, before the COVID turned up. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting, you know, you bring up is you almost essentially started your boot camp again or your preseason with that nine-week break, right? You kind of had a reboot. You know, if you had some alien injuries that we all have as, as moto athletes, you have something going on. So you kind of had to maintain your riding fitness, your calluses, your speed, and your eyes. But then – Maybe you could work on some of those weaknesses, which I think, you know, is important. Um, touching on COVID and racing, I have to get hats off to MX Sports, the G, you know, GNCC crew for getting you got back racing. Essentially, besides NASCAR, as far as I'm concerned, one of the first racing organizations to go live. Um, what was the vibe <laughs> like at the races and how much different was it as a race weekend compared to prior COVID? Uh, it was a little, I mean, even like you look back on it still there's still a lot of states and everything that's shut down so i think the yeah the racing productions and mx sports and that i think they were lucky to get the go-ahead from i think lucky first of all it's lucky they had uh property in georgia because that state was open and then i think also lucky they just they put all the right packages together to send to whoever needed to see them and approve them so i think they they did their work and they like they did the, what they were supposed to do to try and get, get us racing. And it's not, they didn't go racing for, I think they went racing for like the regular people. They went racing for the, the teams and us. And they also went racing for themselves because they, that's a business too. So it's like, they're not just going racing out of being selfish or whatever. Like they have to, they have people that they have to pay that have to put food on the table for their families. So it really is a bit like, it really is a, a business that they are running and if they don't continue to go racing then there's more than just the coombses get affected or who like the people that are running that show so yeah it's a trickle, it's they, a trickle down effect yeah, right from it, the top and i think like some people just think that they're um a lot of people think the mixed sports and race productions are greedy but i think they really do a good job of promoting our sport and getting races out there for everyone to do and that's like this is a good example of what they've done they've they've 
got us back racing as soon as they can. And sure, it was at a at a location that we've already raced at, but we got to go racing, so they got to the sponsors got to pay them. They got their exposure, and everything's everything's kind of coming back to where it, where it should be, where the business can get around like normal. So I think they did did a heck of a job. Uh, and as far as the vibe on the weekend, it was a little different. But man, you I don't know how much time you spent down here in the the south, but they're red, they're rednecks. They don't care about COVID. Yeah, no, that's that's what I was hoping you'd say, man. Like I, so, I spent a little bit of time in the south, and it's a dirty, dirty, right? And yeah, and now, I mean, it's it, honestly, it's just common sense, dude. You don't have to this this, this COVID thing. They're telling you to lock yourself in your house, but you just you can get outside and avoid people. You can go to a GNCC and you can avoid people. Like you, it just it well, I'm I'm in the mind. I'm in the nine, dude, and we're just sending yeah. it right. Like yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're just I don't think the nine five one is much different than Georgia, other than like what we wear. Right, we that we have yeah. we have flat bills and and they have fish hooks in their hats. But uh, yeah, and GNCC is kind of the the cowboy of the two wheel sport in a sense. Like you guys just send it. Yeah, they're they're gnarly. These guys like I've yet to of all yeah, the Slater's, things. Slater's yet to come out and have a ride. Yeah, I'm I'm a she, bit scared, we'll, Shrang. We'll even put him in the morning class with the women. I I don't want to do that because then yeah. when uh, <laughs> uh the McKenzie trick uh, McKenzie beats me or someone else smokes me, I'm not going to be uh very <laughs> stoked. But um yeah, man. So you know you got second on the weekend. I saw a clip. And 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 I hope it's not edited for the sake of me bringing it up. But it looked like you were really close to Caleb on cross the finish. Was that was that the case? Yeah, it was. But I mean, uh, some other people were brought that up to me as well. But and I mean, Caleb won sixty something races, so he, I'm pretty sure he knew what was going on there because I I caught him maybe a mile from the finish, and he he was he probably knew that unless he made a mistake i wasn't getting around him so i was pushing towards the end to get close but i think he was also kind of just getting to the finish so uh so as your mindset like you're, you're not taking that like yeah man i'm i'm there you're like well i need more nah. work I, I need more work i need caleb still caleb but but strang needs to get back yeah, to I, championship strang. I, yeah i just i just need to keep plugging away man i'm i Caleb's a really good racer, uh, probably one of the best that's gone through GNCC, I guess. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not racing against Caleb. I'm racing to do the best I can, and I'm, I'm here. I go with a plug. I'm trying to sell Kawasaki. So yeah, man. I've said it. Plug away. And I mean, ten years ago, well, when I started, fourteen. So let's say twelve years ago, I was just a kid, and I just every kid thinks this, whether it's amateur motocross or anything, they think it's so important to go racing and win in the end well you would know this because i'm not being a, not being a dick but you didn't win all that much growing up hell no i didn't the pro races <laughs> but you you've probably sold more dirt bikes than most of the amateur kids that are racing now and it's like and that's what i think i've learned over the over the shit the decade that i've been racing yeah it's so not, look, all, it's yeah, not well, all about winning it is so. a man and, and that's where this is a good time for us to to go into that, Josh, um, we met in 2010, I believe, correct? 2009, yeah, 2010. Yeah, it would have been 2010. 2010, San Francisco Supercross. My wife's from Australia. Um, you guys probably held hands at a local track or something one time, or I don't know. But <laughs> you, 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 I met you at San Francisco Supercross. Um, we ended up living quite close to each other. 
And man, you were as big as a dummy as me, and we were wanted to suffer on your bicycle and train hard. And we kind of became close close training partners. And like you said, I wasn't a champion in any professional segment, but I was sure as hell a hard worker. Um, and as that as that was you, and you went on were the only guys from California, you know, from Australia to California, riding for a factory Suzuki training under. Um, who were your trainers at the time? It was um, ah Rodney and yep and um, Rodney Smith yeah yep and you you had a pretty damn solid program for as young as you were you were very very um, your regiment was tight you had a program you took good care of your bikes you took good care of your body um, and we kind of fed off each other and I just watching you you know mature as a as a young man and then traveling from California to to back to back east the race you became champion in 2011 uh 2010 actually i'm sorry 2010 so, yeah 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 okay so you know that was kind of you were a, kind of the one-man band on under that program right like you had a certain program that you were used to on the suzuki is that correct that you that you found work for you yeah so that was just it was pretty much just uh the first couple of years i came over i had teammates and then the last two years at suzuki i was just by myself so and that was when I was in California, so I'd fly back east every second weekend or whatever it was, and do and race my race, and then come back. So, I uh, it was fun, man. I like California, but I would never move back there. <laughs> no, I, I so, think you, I think you definitely like you know seeing the life you have yeah. made for yourself in North Carolina with your wife, and now you're son Maverick. I think you've made the right choice, you know. So you won your championship, and you're defending it, and. And that is when you're at Loretta's and break your leg. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that year in 2011, I think they had two races back to back. They had to cancel. I think one, well, yeah, one of them was at Loretta's and I remember they sent photos out and they had a, a John boat, uh, where the Loretta's, you know, that billboard at Loretta's. Yeah. We're the, yep. Yep. The Parallel, Star Parallel yeah, to the Star a, yeah. They had a John boat floating next to the billboard. That's how much water was down there. So uh, they cancelled that one, and then I think it was the the next race we actually got to the race, and Saturday night it just dumped and it washed two bridges away, and so they cancelled that one. So it ended up being we we had a double header at Loretta's at the end of the year, and uh, uh, so I was still in the title contention. And on the Friday I think I got a third or a second or something, and then uh, yeah, the Sunday we raced, and I. I think it was like halfway through the race. I just made a mistake and yeah, snapped my leg in half. So, uh, after that, that, that was uh, where that, that was, I, I remember that very clearly, man. And that was, that was the start of some very, uh, challenging years for you. Um, yeah. you know, you, you went to the RPM KTM after that, correct? Yeah. Well, it wasn't even the leg that was the challenge. I mean, like Suzuki folded and injuries. Su- yeah. Suzuki. That was the pro- that was the problem. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you, you were you were hauling ass still. You know, Charlie Mullins and you were going for the title, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so Charlie won that year, and I still feel like I was the title favorite. I made a couple few mistakes at a few races. So, but that's what that's why we go race. But, uh, yeah, so I still feel like I was very competitive, and then it was middle of November. Well, so it was early November when I broke my leg, and I think middle of November that – they told me, so it was fairly late, really late for uh, as far as racing goes. Uh, they told me that the team was not going to race next year. So by that stage, anyone who has any any idea about motorcycle industry, all the deals are done in 
September, October, if not earlier. So there was no budget. So I, I was kind of stranded and RPM KTM helped me out, but it was to do a, the work series on the West coast. So I did, uh, so I signed up and did that for 2000. And yeah, but you weren't, you, you didn't have the best go The the team promised you some things. I know. I mean, I'm going to, you're not going to have to blow them out, but I will. Um, <laughs> they, they, they promised you some things that never came through. Um, and your, your leg didn't heal as quick as you wanted to, from what I remember. Um, and you, one thing I can commend you for, you're like, well, you took a po- negative and turned it into a positive or tried your best. You're like, well, no one's ever won a GNCC and a work. So, Chad, he was going to try to go wet, east-west, and um, I think that leg really held him back. And KTM at that time, I was still testing, and I was doing as best I could to help Josh, but the team conf- couldn't facilitate what Josh needed. And it was it was unfortunate to see that. Yeah, it was a bummer. But I mean, it was like like I've said uh, recently, a couple of other things we've done. I I wouldn't change anything. Uh, sure, I wish I would. My leg would have healed, and I probably would have preferred a. Uh, I think I was on the that dinosaur 450, so I was on the carbureted version. Yep. And that thing was a heavy, the, heavy, the slow I, moving yeah, and the, motor. Yeah, the problem was the guys I was racing against were on the new fuel injected one so i feel like i was at a disadvantage just just right there so it was a bit of a bummer but uh i had a couple of good results at the work the work series that year nothing nothing stellar or spectacular but uh had a couple of good races i think i might have got a couple of podiums and and then uh, i realized that that i needed to get back east so yeah so you uh you leave rpm where do you go next yeah well that was the thing. I all I knew is I wanted to get back on the east coast, and I I can't really remember. I know RPM kind of wanted to help, but I think they wanted me to stay stay on the west coast, and I was set on getting back to uh, North or back east to race. So I ended up doing. I got a buddy. He we threw together a proposal and sent it to Rocky Mountain, just just on a whim, and then I don't know maybe they they got confused or something and they ended up agreeing to the, to the deal. So I was, I had two years with good funding from Rocky mountain on, on the Kawasaki, so, right? Are we... Yeah. So the first year I ended up buying Kawasaki's cause they had the best contingency and I couldn't, cause once again, it was so late the deal, the Rocky mountain deal. I had to, I couldn't get support to get bikes or anyone. So I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to ride a bike that, doesn't pay out contingency so i bought the bike that had the best and it was kawasaki at the time so i think i bought i can't remember if i bought three or four bikes that year uh, and i had, i paid a mechanic and paid for a van and trailer wrap and easy ups and it was i i had a i had quite a bit of money coming in but in the end when we looked at the the taxes at the end of the year i've had to pretty much spend almost all of it to go racing so but, i didn't spend but... any yeah, but at the end of the day, unlike 90% of racers, you reinvested in yourself. Right? You had a beautiful home that you bought on your own. Your parents didn't put a spoon in your mouth. You left Australia at a young age. Like I said, you bought this home in Murrieta. You're all in training with Rodney Smith, Suzuki, and you're like, I'm done. And I remember helping pack up your U-Haul van, and you left with your dog, with Addy on, the, on your side, man. I, I'm not going to lie. I had a little tear in my eye. Chad watching my buddy, he just, he was all in, dude. He just packed up and was like, I'm fucking out. I'm out. 
and I, yeah. this is not working in California, and it's not about California, but just his 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 passion. He ran it through. Yeah. And he he trucked it across the country and made a new life for himself. And I think that's like the the story of his two wheel life that I think is like really makes me proud. I'd call him a friend that he reinvested in himself. It was a Hooper that right that helps you with that. Yeah. And then yeah. And then and jump in here, Josh. I want to I want to tell your story a little bit for you because you're being quite modest. Is you know he t- we touched on MX Sports and Racer Productions really supporting getting these guys back racing early on this in this story. Well. From what I understand, I remember Josh telling me that the Coombs family was physically had meetings with Kawasaki to try to help Josh because they knew how important top racers were for their series. So essentially, Racer Productions and MX Sports, and I think the Coombs family was calling OEMs like, we need this Australian guy. We need him being supported. They're what, the industry was in a lull. Josh, that did happen, correct? I'm not dreaming. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about manufacturers, but I know I know they did get me a few, uh, actually a couple of a couple of money paying sponsors actually. So, yeah, that it. I mean, yeah, they're. How can you, you say anything but like that is amazing as a promoter, right? That like, yeah. that's awesome. But also yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. show the kind of person you are and and the strength that you have and the perseverance that that you faced that brings a lot of value to that large organization. Um, which says a lot about who you are, I think, and and you are being humble about it. But <laughs> I want to hear you dive in. Yeah. So on, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll get to know Josh a little better once you move back east. The original and unrivaled new bike in a can SC1 truly restores that factory shine and lives up to the claim. SC1 high gloss coating is specifically formulated to protect and beautify multiple surfaces including plastic, vinyl, rubber, and carbon fiber. Water resistant formulation is safe for use on gloss or matte finishes and makes the cleanup process easier by forming a durable coating that repels mud, dirt, and debris. Can be applied and left untouched or allowed to set up and be buffed to a dry sheen, leaving a long lasting luster. Ride, clean, and SC1 your ride to keep it working and looking its best. All right, we're back, and uh, Josh is in his U-Haul driving across the country with with Addy, his his uh, his lab, and um, so you and Hooper built a, built a program on Kawasaki's with the help of the industry, um, Rocky Mountain, and you go racing. How'd that year go? Yeah, so 2013 was not bad. Uh, I had a well, actually, one of my Suzuki teammates, Jimmy Jarrett, he was he was done racing, but uh, he ended up he was pretty handy on the tools. So I ended up paying him and help and having him help me to be my mechanic, and he would come to the races. So uh, there was like him and I, and that was about there was about two or three of us each race weekend. So uh, it was not too bad. Had a uh, had. I don't know. It wasn't a standout year. Like there's nothing, there's only one race that really stood out that year and it was uh, Unadilla. And I think on the last lap, there was Caleb, Charlie Mullins and I battling for most of the lap from what I remember. And we ended up finishing, I ended up finishing third, but it was, I think to split first through third, up might've been three seconds or something. And, uh, and that was where I like, there, I had races where I was close to the front, but just nothing real from what i remember nothing super stellar so uh uh it was good to be i know it was good to be back and i i just rented a little place here in uh, north carolina 
and I was just honestly, I was having a blast. So when I lived here in Hickory from 07 to 2009, I was still a young kid and I thought I did, I don't know. I just, I just stayed in my apartment back then and didn't do anything fun. But then when I came back here, maybe from hanging out with you for a couple of years in California (laughs) and, and Gilmore, yeah, uh, I came back here and I was doing more stuff with just friends. Like I would get out of the house and go do stuff. I went to a bunch of concerts in the summer and got on the lake. And I just had a, I had a real good time out here. I know 2013 and 2014, I had a, I had a freaking blast out here, just, just living life and racing. And that's, uh, uh, that's probably what I remember most about 13 is uh, probably the more fun I had off the bike and just away from the track, really. And then as you're happy or you're performing, I mean, that that's that's what I've seen, like, you know, outside looking in with you is that transition to North Carolina, you're really enjoying life, you know. you When did you, when did you meet your beautiful bride? When did you meet Cameron, right around then? Uh, no, I met her in about halfway. Well, I'd known her through some friends, and then uh, end of 2014, uh, we ended up getting together and hanging out. So uh, it was there was a few sticky moments there, both here on the West Coast and the East Coast, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all that's all in the past now. So uh, it is what it is. But yeah, it was, and they, like I said, that was fun too. So, uh, and it, I just think things are meant to happen for a reason. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't change anything. So we're, we get those two years of the Rocky Mountain, you know, the private team you built, and then you is that when you go to Husqvarna? Is after that? Well, so the the 2013 was with Rocky Mountain and I bought the Kawasaki's. Then the second year, I still had to deal with Rocky Mountain, but uh, Randy Hawkins at Yamaha actually oh, that... wanted to help out. So that was probably my best. I feel like that was a, a better year than the year before uh, on the Yamaha. I had support from Yamaha and, and from Randy. So I had my bikes built and a mechanic and I had good sponsors. And I feel like I just gelled with that bike. It was it was good and I feel like I was more competitive there but again I think at that stage Caleb was maybe his third title run second title run and he was starting to gain momentum so for me it was hard to get I think I got one win that year and it was kind of yeah maybe one win and that was when he was on a 150 so yeah I mean (laughs) you you talk about as you know you talk about as we go through this I look at manufacturer change series change chad like there's a lot of change right where like you look at caleb and it's been the same right like the same and he builds a base and builds a base and he earned that he earned that ride the first time and there's a lot of guys that he's had as teammates that have cycled through that ktm program yeah but that and and there's a lot to be said about the stability of that and i mean what caleb's seven time i mean it's it's hard but I want to hear like from you, does that drive you, Josh? Is that, is that like a motivator? Cause you're going through all these changes and you're facing all this adversity. And then he kind of comes in and makes a little bit of a statement. And like you said, that one year in 14, you got one win, but is that a motivator to you? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, uh, I think when I honestly, I think that year he was better than, he was better than me. So that's like simple, just putting it how it is. So I, 
I don't know if you can, like, it's hard to build, get motiva- motivation off. You need to find motivation from somewhere else to d- get better. So that year I know I was doing a lot of uh, mountain biking and I think I was getting motivation to go to do better doing something else because at that stage, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm just thinking about it now. And Like, he was he was quite a bit better, I think, in 2014. And I think to... To think about trying to beat him every weekend, it probably really wouldn't have been a good thing to do because then you would have just uh, would have been maybe let down if it didn't happen. So really you have to focus on something else and maybe uh, maybe try and build momentum and, and confidence a different way than, than just focusing on him and trying to beat him. And I think that that's the way I've done it. I, I mean, it's not... I, 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 agree, I, I agree with you. It. I agree with you, yeah. buddy. Like, I, I think, um, you know, there's guys uh, like in Supercross and Motocross that what I did is, you know, and I, I was one of them, you know, I was working towards the top 10 in Supercross, working towards that, and it was getting tougher and tougher as a privateer test rider. And I got into cycling, and the gains in cycling were easier to get for me than a second and a half or faster to the whoops or being doing that so like i'd put my energy into something that i was getting gratification and satisfaction and in instant instant results right so i think that's something as you you're not you get to a plateau that you know you put not you josh but athletes sometimes tend to put energy into other things that they can get instant gratification from yeah yeah so i don't know man it's hard that's hard to that is a hard question to answer the uh the motivation thing, but uh. So you 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 finish out the year in the Yamaha. What did you finish in the series that year? Uh, second. Nice, nice. Yeah, so and, I think uh, and that and that puts you on the Husqvarna. Yeah, so yeah, that then I went to went to Husky, and so the whole thing was uh, growing up since I don't know, man, since I was three or four. My old man, well, my my parents own a motorcycle shop in Australia, so that's where the racing started out, and or the riding. And they, dad used to be a husky man, and he used to sell huskies at the shop. And when, all I remember growing up, I wanted a Husqvarna 60 or a 65. So when I was racing, it would have been a 60. That's all I ever wanted. And obviously, they didn't make them. Uh, so when I, when the opportunity came to go ride for husky, I, I mean, I jumped on it because that's, it was like a family. It was like something I just wanted to do ever since I was a kid. I wanted to just race a husky, and so. And so I was pumped to get on, on board with those guys, and that 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 deal lasted for four years, so fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, See, that, that was the inception of uh, Husqvarna, though, as a re, as the as the start of it. Yeah. Chad, like Chad rides yeah. KTM's himself, and so he's used to the Chrome Molly. He, he just bought a new one. Um, yeah, so Josh got on like you know he called me. He's like, hey, give me the intel. How are the bikes? How are, hey. Don't pull the wool over my head. Are they fucking good or are they shit? I'm like, they're good, man. Well, um, it's a good and thing. T- I, I would have been like, has Sleater developed this thing? It's questionable. It's questionable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, well, it, I, I think my only question was if it's if it's anything like that 2012 carburetted version. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, uh, I, and Timmy Wagon yeah, was your team manager, right? Uh, out of the get go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uh, he just came on board with that too. So and Timmy and I had been friends for. Uh, well, since I pretty much lived in California, I think we raced the works together and we'd do a bit of riding together. So him and I got along. So I, I thought it was a cool 
combination uh, and uh, Husqvarna had a lot of support and a lot of resources to go race. So I honestly, when I signed the deal, I was a little worried because of the 2012 deal I had. I was a little worried about the bike, but I think once once it all uh, came together, it was fairly good. Yeah, you, mean, you, you had a you had a pretty solid couple of years with them, right? I mean, the four years was, you, you know, you won the 2018 uh, Sprint Enduro Championship, right? Yeah, yeah. So 15, I was on the, again, I was on the old Husky had the older version of the KTM. Uh, and I know, yeah. and I know, with your attitude, man, if someone's on something similar, not not the same, Josh is not happy. You're you're, yeah. you're not happy. You you want. You know, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Uh, you, you, you want everyone to work as hard as you're working. Um, did you find with working with a factory that things move slower than working with previously with the, the smaller things? You know, working with Timmy uh, and I know Timmy no. has small man syndrome, but was it, did yeah. he do his best to make things happen for you? No, yeah, think yeah, things happen fairly quickly there. The biggest thing I think the four years I struggled with that there at that team. Uh, we can do. We can talk about it more, but like from the from the get go, I never rode a standard husky. Never ever. Never. Had, that, you had never to, had a base to work off of. No, and that was my biggest problem. And mm, I believe, mm, I believe, I could have had the bike working a lot better at the end of the end of my journey with those guys. I believe we could have had a better bike, but so I was I'm, never I'm, given a yeah, stock bike and, to ride. Yeah, and Josh here, okay, so I want to, all the listeners here, my background of 15 years was developing KTMs and motorcycles, and I take a lot of pride in, you know, working for Transworld and this Transworld and then getting the opportunity with, with KTM. And all you people listening, you need to try your bike standard. Josh used to, <laughs> when Josh won a Suzuki Championship, Chad, his truck driver would break it in, okay, in a stock form. They'd only put the parts on it that made it better. Correct, Josh? Yeah. They didn't send the motor out. He was on standard motors from every – please correct me. I'm digging in my, my foggy vault here. <laughs> yeah. he, he would only change what needed to be better. He wouldn't start from scratch. And so it, it just irks me that these mechanics that are just parts changers, they're not development guys. They're taking shiny parts and dumping them on his bike. They're running 52-millimeter forks, this, 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 this skid plate. Or if a guy like Josh got the chance to ride something that the guys in Austria have developed and the team in America have de- refined, he'd go, okay, this feels good, but change this. Oh, then you'd add a gusset here or do that. Well, jo- I mean, Josh has been riding your entire life. You You kind of know what it should feel like so yeah and i well i mean so i believe growing all the way until i moved to the states in 2007 i had my bikes were stock i put a set of handlebars on but i always ran stock pipes uh for the most part it was stock suspension i think we might have we used to change dad used to change oil levels in the fork and i just I don't know whether that was what I was used to was a stock feeling motorcycle, but I just don't get, I don't understand. I never understood why I could, they wouldn't let me ride a stock bike. Like take it can, out can, of the can box. I, can I tell you why? I have the answer for you, my man. <laughs> it's called justifying their jobs. So if they yeah. don't, if they can't make a bike better than what Scott Youngstrand, Casey Lytle and Mike Sleater did, then 
then why would they have a race team, right? So they have to justify, yeah. in my opinion, what they're doing, right? And if they, the, the aftermarket part company, WP, has to justify making those shiny parts. Um, and it's not that they don't want you to ride a stock bike. It's that they have to justify sponsors giving them money for a part, right? Where, you know, you guys get caught in that net. And I think it's always good to start with the base. And I think part of your success is, was similar to mine with your dad building you bikes and you riding the same thing. Like when we were riding together three times a week in California, you rode the same bike, the same setup. You worked on your bike. You knew that Suzuki front to back, upside down. You knew what it was going to do in the bad, the good, in the same conditions. You always knew, don't hit that bump, it doesn't like that. Don't hit that turn like this, it doesn't like that. But it can do all this. Is it fair to say, like, once you start getting where the factory, you kind of lose track of that? Things change, you get lost, you get kind of in a in a bit of a spiral? Yeah, there was, I mean, yeah, that, it, like, we didn't try, there wasn't, I know I've heard of Supercross guys, ch- like, testing axle diameters and and all like some really really a lot of things that you would think man that wouldn't make much sense so we we didn't have that that many options to test that stuff our our testing was more was more so suspension and and that's that's fair enough because the the stuff we ride is all chopped out just gnarly not very fun stuff so we need the the bike working the best and there was times we'd go test and we'd have we'd have a three or four day test here on the east coast and and they would leave and i'm like i i have no idea what we're doing like i don't like by the fourth day i'm like i don't feel like we have made any progress and and at that stage i'm i'm not a test rider i i feel like i know what i like when i feel something but at by the time you've tried your fourth or fifth set of suspension you're kind of like well if this isn't better by now then well, you may as well just you may as well, you boys may not have come out here <laughs> and and you started talking about the conditions of gncc and and maybe for the listeners out there can you explain the format of a gncc race and how gnarly it actually is yeah so uh for the most part we go to a, a property each year so once a year and they they tend to fix up 75 80 percent of the track each year so it get over time the dirt goes away and the bumps stay there. So after being there for ten or so years, the tracks are already rough before anyone even gets on them. So uh, Saturday morning they have, well Saturday they have ATVs. They have a morning youth class, then they have a morning amateur class, and then they have an afternoon pro AB class. So for the most part, I think there's probably five hundred to a thousand, depending on where it is. Uh, quads on saturday and then sunday they have the same format for bikes so they have a youth bike race then they have a morning amateur bike race and then they have the pro afternoon race so our race uh all the races i think uh the youth races are 90 minutes i think the morning races are two hours and then the quad pm bikes two hours and then the bike pm bike, uh, races are three hours so by the time we we get on the track they're just flogged so you know the quads polish off all the good dirt for the most part and then oh man half half blue grooved yeah so when sunday comes around uh the bikes will tear it all up and for the most part it's good having a morning race before hours because they'll get rid of majority of the quad ruts and they'll create dirt bike ruts and make a make a line which is good but 
then by that stage the track's just ruined so uh, i think on sunday the morning race had 650 bikes wow so and your guys's race is three hours or yeah so that they have a minimum a minimum of 245 so if they uh so on the weekend i think we finished at 250 because if we would have went another lap it would have been like 320 or something and then so for the slowest guy he would have been doing like a four-hour race so they they try and time it all to where we finish close to the three-hour mark whether it's 10 minutes before or 10 minutes after so um but yeah three hours pretty much so that bike setup that we were talking about it's pretty key (laughs) (laughs) yeah gosh man and and yeah this is now we kind of jumped jumped a few steps but i'm I'm glad chad pointed that out you know we got into the setup stuff today you know you had that four-year run at husqvarna you know you learned a lot about yourself um physically personally you know manufacturer like team wise kind of done the whole gamut now from factory suzuki to private ktm to owning your own team to getting support from yamaha understanding what you liked about that bike and then now you're on a four-year deal, and then you win the 2018 Full Gas Enduro, and you you kind of rock the industry with signing with Babbitt's Kawasaki because, you know, a West Coast guy like me, I think of Babbitt's as an arena cross team, and bam, you come out, and you're you're just, they're, they're in, this, in this, and you guys are ready to roll. Yeah, so that was the, I mean, everyone who follows anyone on Instagram, they'll see the rock star posts. <laughs> From oh. from every athlete, uh, what is it? Twice, once every two weeks, and a video every month. I think it is. You mean that stuff's, that stuff's not good for you? Every, Come no, on, it's not, it's not that you can't drink the stuff. It's the way they they push it on people. Yep. You guys like have deliverables when you're supposed to go out and win. Three like hour someone races. sees that, they're gonna like. I'm not gonna go buy that drink just because those guys posted that video and that's stupid. Like I. I'm all about promoting products and, and that sort of stuff. But at towards the end of my run at Husky, there was just, there was a lot of, a lot of, poli- it's very political driven. Yeah. And number driven, like number driven. I would call it number driven based off a of sales. They don't, they, they, I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to make people mad about who listen like who listens to this. I'm not trying to make people mad, but it's almost like they just cared about selling which is this is a because it's like they just cared about selling. They didn't care about who was buying, or they didn't care about the family. They didn't care about the sleeters who go buy KTM fifties, or they didn't care about the strangs who will potentially go buy something here in the future. They they just cared about like right now and what they like selling stuff right now, and they didn't care who bought it. And that's what I was just I was like being newly married and then had a like newly a new son it was i just wasn't feeling like that was the environment my family was we weren't we, i wasn't gelling with the team and I, I wasn't happy there anymore so and that was the biggest reason for the switch uh i just wasn't happy and i wanted and i was still wanted to go race and that's what i love doing so why would i go race when i wasn't having fun and that was i mean so there's no real hard feelings there um, with any of the guys. I just what I just didn't feel like I was the person for the that needed to ride their bikes because I didn't. I didn't. You weren't. Dr- you weren't. You, you weren't pushing. drinking. You weren't drinking the punch essentially, and that's 
Yeah, it's commendable, man. A lot of guys wouldn't take that risk and switch a program that, you know, you win a title and then you switch, right? And and I think I, I commend you um, on taking that risk based on your values and morals. And that's essentially why I left 15 years at KTM. And it's not against that company. I made that clear in my first podcast. I had a great run there. They gave me a job. They offered me an amazing package. Yeah. But that's why we're here at P&G, me and Chad and Ruben and Joe, because we believe in a product that stands for something, stands for, you know, healthy living, active living, and, and being able to work with an athlete like yourself, you know, and be able to support you in a little bit. You know, it's not the, it's a small, probably the smallest key to your program, but we can really stand behind your family. Your son Maverick can drink the drink. You know, that's that's what we like, and I think, you know, that, that's something that is brings validity to who you are as a person, and I that's why having you as, like, a partner in this and an advocate is so key. Yeah, and that, I mean, yeah, so like you said, it's, it's it was it's all about being happy especially i'm 32 i don't know how much Fuck, longer you're I'll be old racing. bro you're <laughs> fucking old geriatrics yeah. <laughs> yeah so i just don't know how much longer i'll like i want to i want to do it for as long as i can providing i can pay my bills and keep feed on food on the table but i just want to have fun man that's i think that's the biggest thing that is you why you've seen my results get a little or get a lot better over the last 12 months since switching to Kawasaki is just, I'm having, having a blast, man. It's so much fun. And, um, Cameron and Maverick, we, we gel with the whole team, uh, and I enjoy riding again and I'm just having a lot of fun. So I think that's, it just like, you just need every, everyone needs a change. And I, and that's what helped. Like I just needed to get off a Husky and I needed a change. So, uh, and I think that I, I'm glad I did it now. I mean, I appreciate the help I got there. And it was, uh, I did some cool things. I went to Japan and uh, actually probably the favorite race I did there was, oh, for Husky. I went to Sweden and raced uh, with Husky, originally being from Sweden. Uh, it was cool to go there and be looked after by people who actually knew everything about Husky and where it came yeah, from. Yeah, the, her- the, the heritage in Europe with KTM and Husqvarna as a, as a culture is really cool, right? Like, yeah. you've been to Japan before, and it's different. Not better, not worse, but it's the yeah. culture behind the, the Austrian brands and, you know, European brands is unmatched. Like, they, they live and breathe it, and they're all enthusiasts and riders. Um, and, yeah, like, it's a cool chapter, right, for you, a chapter in your two-year oh, life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that you think, uh, so when's the next round of GNCC? You know, you're on this Babbitt's Kawasaki and you're having fun. And you're second in points. You finished second last weekend. We got through this. They're, 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 you know, MX Sports Racer Productions is navigating this COVID pandemic. What's the plan for racing now? Is full gas enduro still happening? Is MX Sports overrunning over the top? How are they managing that? Yeah, so. Uh, we have another race in two weeks down here in, or down in South Carolina, uh, Camp Coca. I think they used to have a motocross track there. I don't know if you ever heard of it. No, I'm um, not as no. old as you, bro. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, I know a couple. Of, <laughs> I know a couple of Supercross guys that used to live out here. They had a. There's still a Supercross track in the woods, actually. Wow. It's like all grown over, and I, I forget who. If you said the name, I would know who it was. But anyway, it's one of the guys. He used to ride out there. So we got we're planning to go there in two weeks. So they have a schedule, um, 
uh, pretty much set. So I think racing for right now, GNTC is back on. Just there'll be different venues and that sort of stuff. And uh, the full gas will, I think they've put a schedule out for July. So I'm, I think he'll just wait and see how that goes as well. But uh, for us, I think we're back racing, kind of. I don't know. We still don't, like, they, I don't think they're still 100% percent sure we're racing in two weeks but that's when it's scheduled and that's where we're going so uh i think it'll go ahead that that's but, uh, re- really exciting and you guys yeah. didn't have, i mean have on no that, fans at, at the races last weekend um well they didn't advertise it but there was plenty of people in the woods on the weekend so i love that <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah that, but, uh, i was just going to touch on the so with the switch of brands i rode the kawasaki for probably a month in stock trim there you go and i i feel like i have a bet i feel honestly feel like i have a better bike now than i'd had and there's still stuff that this bike does where i would like to change it but until we come up with something that's better i would like you said earlier i would i would end up finding a way to ride around that bump or ride around that, that tree piece, root. That yeah so, like so when when i find a problem where I have problem on the bike, I tend to try and avoid those sections or, or that sort of stuff. And that's, I think that's just how I've learned to ride, uh, learned to ride over the years is avoid the stuff that, uh, yeah, you <laughs> makes mean, you don't, really. yeah, you can't really like when I, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time developing bikes and I rode that Kawasaki for a bit. And as soon as you saw on Instagram that I had it, you called me or messaged me right away. What do you think of it? And I rode it in stock trim, and there were some things that, you know, I didn't like about it, and I I worked on those things, and then that was a magazine bike. I gave it back. I, I started riding a Yamaha, and I rode that in stock trim for, like, four or five. I actually raced Mammoth on it because I didn't really have the desire to start testing and developing bikes again. Um, and now I want to try to be faster than I was last year. <laughs> so I started working with Enzo and working on the things that, I don't like about the Yamaha and we've made some strides forward and we've made some strides backwards and ultimately we will fix that, go back to stock. Yeah. So my bike is, it's great to hear you've started like the Kawasaki is a phenomenal platform. I think for a taller guy like you, a bigger guy, that, that motor's quick, it's snappy. It's got plenty of power, but it's light feeling like the 350. And then the, the body tri- the triangle and the foot pegs being lower the ergonomics being so good, I think it's a great fit for a guy like you. You you, don't, you ride a bike very efficiently. Yeah, I, I mean, I I have no complaints about it. So, and I I I don't know whether I was a rever when I hung out in California, but I feel like since I'm getting older, <laughs> I I've found that the my especially my my bike works a lot better when you're in a taller gear, and I I think honestly I think every bike does. And when I watch watch people ride sometimes I just wish they would change gears because they'd, they would go, they would ride smoother and they would probably go a lot faster too. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, I don't know when we raced each other this one time, I beat you. So I didn't really hear your bike because <laughs> it was going behind me. So yeah. I, I don't, I can't recall if you're not, you've always yeah. been very efficient and I'll never race you again, by the way. Cause then I can just always tell you the last time we raced, I beat you, Josh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, yeah. it's 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 been pretty cool. Um, the the Babbitt's deal is this your last year on, on contract with them? Is this the last? Yeah, year so year? yeah, this I had a two year deal, so this is my second year, and uh, we've talked, we've been talking a little bit, but I my plan is to stay where I'm at. I'm like I said, I'm happy 
And That's good to hear. I I don't really like it. And like I said earlier, I'm not sure how many more years I'll race. I would like to race for as long as I can, provided I'm still enjoying it. But that's the thing. I'm I'm not really keen on switching brands again just because I would have to start again, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that going, um, going back to that base. But if someone from Kawasaki's listening, it doesn't mean I need to be paid less. So uh, Yes, yes, pay, pay <laughs> so, my guy, dude. And don't yeah, pay, pay yeah. him in American dollars, not Aussie dollars, because yeah. that dollar is no, hurting. Yeah, but no, I'm like, like I said, I'm happy there. I, I don't plan on going anywhere, and uh, I would like to, when I'm done racing, that's I would like to move into a, a training type role, kind of like a, like a Swanee, Swanee kind of deal, or or Mullins kind of deal, something like that. You know, because I'm in, like I said, I'm, I really enjoy cycling and training, and so, I feel like I my, my uh, outlook and the the work I put in can translate if I can help someone out. Uh, then I would love to do that. Well, Josh, that, this is a good time to have a little commercial break, and we're going to come back to you talking about what you do off the bike and how you prepare fitness-wise, um, nutrition-wise for these you know, almost three-hour races. So let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll get right back to it. If only you held the keys to ultimate clarity, vision unrestricted, performance unhampered, unparalleled technology, Developed beyond perfection. Ahead of the pack, giving it 100%. Introducing the Armega, bringing Ultra HD to motocross. Josh, so uh, you just touched on what's next uh, once you're not having fun, which I think you got a few more years left in yet, you know, but um, you touched on just getting into some mentorship training, talking about what you've learned and not learned. And um, I know you're an absolute stud on a bicycle um, and and have a lot of knowledge. Um, kind of touch on what you do for training. I know there's one key company that's been behind you for a lot of years, and that's Trek. How do you use yes. your bicycles for training? Uh, well, I, so, I mean, well, I'll just go from this, like from the very early. There we go. Like, what, for some reason, the town I grew up in, it's like 10,000 people. Or I think there's more now, maybe twelve or fifteen thousand. But for some reason, it's got a huge cycling following, so that or a huge cycling community. And ever since I was, I don't know, ten or twelve, I would there was just groups going out every. I'd go out every Tuesday, Thursday, and then on Saturday and Sunday. And some reason, somehow, Dad got into cycling a little bit, and then so I ended up. I just started cycling with these people, and I remember being. I must have been like I know I didn't have a driver's license because my old man had to drive me into town. He'd drop me off and I'd meet up with these guys at like five in the morning in the winter. We'd go do a, a pedal, we'd go do a loop, and then I'd come back in and I don't know if I was going to school or I was working or what, but I just for some reason early early on I was into cycling and I think I've just done it and I enjoy it. So uh, being able to incorporate it into my into my training program has been good. And then in 2009, I think, uh, somehow the Suzuki truck driver, uh, made friends with a guy at Trek. And since then I've been, uh, been hooked up with Trek bikes since. So, yeah, uh, man, I used to get been, so like, bummed on a, your, I used to get so bummed when you roll over yeah. in a fresh kit. He had a yeah. fresh, <laughs> fresh kits and true, uh, man, yeah, you this... don't want to, you don't want to know how many bicycles I got in my house. Oh, so, uh, 
it's I'm not complaining, man. It there, yeah, it's sick. He sends me, he sends me. Who is this guy? Let, let us know who he is. Give, give him so a shout out. He, well, his name's Scott DeBurr, and he, I honestly, I don't know what he does, but <laughs> but he's he's, I think he's R and D for road race. So the road race and maybe cycle cross teams. So he's fairly high up in the racing side of things and somehow he has a advertising budget and I'm part of it and I'm pumped. That is so, rad, man. Yeah, and he well he used to race dirt bikes too. So every now and then we'd see him at a GNCC but he I think his work's kind of taken over and he's fairly busy these days. So I haven't seen him uh riding a dirt bike for a while but uh he's still keen to help me out and uh yeah he sends me the goods that's for sure it, it's been pretty cool i remember uh chad me and josh would have our deep and meaningfuls on our on our road rides and i remember i had a house in murrieta and i just had mason my you know, my oldest son and josh you know he's like i said he's like our my adoptive brother he, we had dinner all the time and you know mason's born and uh, he he goes hey nine o'clock at your place i'm like yeah for our, our morning ride and he comes over how how is it How's it having a kid, man? And I go, do you remember my reply, Josh? Because I do. No, I, I go, I go, man. I think I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I uh, think I fucked up. I can't. I haven't fucking slept in a week, man. I just, uh, I never shit. had broken sleep, you know. So, so I just remember those rides, like that culture of the, the cycling. You know, we just would, we go test our bodies. You know, Josh was very good about when he could go deep and 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 go in that zone and. I remember a couple of times riding, we'd be five miles, 10 miles from home and like all euphoric and, and, and we're on the bonk mode and we're, we're, our nutrition's lacking, but I think we all learned the most about our bodies then, right? Would you say, Josh, we learned what we could or couldn't do, what we could get yeah. away with. And, and he, he was probably better at that than me being a, a, a endurance moto athlete, you know, and it, it just was, yeah, I would, it, pack, I would pack like, I would, put two drink bottles on my bike and Sleed would have like half a half a multi drink bottle yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like a and like a brown banana that had been yeah. in the in the fruit bowl for like three weeks or something but i, I all that matters is the top of the hill i'd always be at the top before yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. i mean i josh is a little bigger guy than me as in just overall his height i'm not very big man i'm like spongebob squarepants but uh we, we we've shared a lot of times and and culture on our bicycles and I think Josh, when you make that transition, um, I hopefully it's not soon, because I I do think you have more left. I know you have more left in you in the tank, and you have some more titles to win. But I think you're going to be one of the best mentors and trainers in the in the business because of your knowledge of not only from success, right? I and I, this is nothing against Caleb or Charlie, but I know they train, but I don't. I I and and, and I'll lump Rattray in there as well a couple guys that have had just straight success from a get-go you know as a is it as an early bro when you don't have trials and tribulations you don't learn from the mistakes those guys have had success and then charlie had a broken wrist and and um you know that kind of ended in his career due to a bike problem but josh you've been through so many things and learned from failure that i think failure is where you able to analyze athletes and teach them how not to do what you did yeah but then that but see this is the this is the problem i keep coming across is when someone says it's too hard i'm just gonna call them a pussy yeah <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> but, wrong with that so, but so, so then i may not have any clients 
<laughs> no, but so you you'll no. weed out your clients. Yeah, yeah so you'll, you'll have people that actually have the mental state to work with you and can appreciate it. I mean, that that's I mean half the battle, right? Yeah. I mean, Al- Alan yeah. Baker is um is that way. It's you're either in or you're out. Me and Chad yeah. got to talk to him a little bit, kind of, you know, on the PNG hydration. Josh, Chad, you can tell Josh a little bit what he told us about the hyd- Alvin told us we wanted to make sure that he knew we weren't like gifting his athletes the stuff, and you can kind of yeah. He he was pretty, um, I don't know. He was very transparent about, it, but he was basically like, long story short, he's like, yeah, I'm good with them doing whatever, but. Um, you know, sodium from our hydration, he wants it very, very low sodium levels. He wants them on very, very low sugar levels and his program is very tight. Um, and he allows them to do things, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of Alden's way. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you, you can ask, but you're not going to always just get, just cause you ask, you're not yeah. going to yes. You're, yep. Exactly. Um, but so he does approve our stuff. He loves it, but then he did follow it up with, interesting insights which was kind of more around like testing and um, when you're in an endurance event and you're sweating you actually don't lose as much sodium as you would think and he's done testing against it and you know I think everybody's different but from Alden's perspective and on his program sodium loss isn't a big issue yeah, and, huh. and and that's and that's his way, and that, that's like you, like we just talked about, Josh. That's his way, and your way is different than his way. And I know, yeah, you know how to like you you can evaluate people and see because of your failures. I think when and it's not a knock on Caleb or Charlie or Tyla, it's 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 just your your cha- your book has a lot more chapters of knowledge than theirs because of of trials and tribulations, and you can't buy or be taught that. So, um. Man, I, I think, uh, you know, you got two weeks to prepare and any, you kind of keep it. Obviously, your 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 business is going the right direction. Not much change, right? Kind of keep it saying the same program. No, yeah. Yeah. For me, it will be. So the biggest thing I've noticed since since I started this, it normally takes me a an extra day to recover fully from from back in 2000 and. So I remember when I was living in California, I think you normally on a Tuesday we could go out and and do kind of a hammer ride yep. on the bicycles. And today I did a fairly mellow um, Zwift. It's raining here today, so I did a fairly mellow Zwift ride, only about like an hour and a half. So the, the things that I, I've had to do now, I'm getting a little older, I just have to be more conscious of uh, the biggest thing is recovery, man. For me now, I have to make sure I recover just because you don't like you beat yourself up but just take getting older it just takes longer for that stuff to like longer for yourself to recover to where you're back to um, high performance so uh like for me yesterday i did a i actually got to go out on it i had one of my buddies come over and we took out the e-bikes for a, for an hour and just did an e-bike ride on a on a little trail so uh for me it's i'm just i have to be a little smarter about i want to go hammer i want to go spin the big ring with the boys but i got to uh i i just got like for me it's like these next two weeks i'll recover the rest of today and then tomorrow i'll go for a dirt bike ride and then kind of just get back into the normal program and then uh leading up to next week is the same as normal so uh but for me in between races at the moment it's the biggest thing is recovery and that's 
uh, that's what I've learned as well. So it's been been a process, but I think that's what's helped me a lot the last 18 months as well. I, I had a coach and he's helped me do that kind of stuff. The biggest thing with him is he's a cycling coach, not a, he doesn't race motorcycles. So the, he still doesn't understand some stuff and I still don't understand some stuff. So, uh, but I really think it's helping. Yeah. And out of curiosity, Josh, about how much volume, um, on the bike, on the bike being your dirt bike and off the bike cycling or, or mountain bikes are you doing? Uh, so, uh, so I don't know. I do know. I'm just trying to think. Um, I think last week I did six hours on the dirt bike, so three days, maybe maybe a little less than six hours, I think, on the dirt bike. And that was that was probably, for leading up to a race, that was probably a little higher than normal, but because we hadn't raced in nine weeks, uh, I was probably just, just making sure that I've done enough riding and that sort of stuff, you know, just mentally preparing to go race, and I think uh, more so than anything, but... Uh, so normally two to three days riding uh, during the week on the dirt bike and then on the bicycle maybe I try like I try to get somewhere around 100 miles so it's it might be and you break it up in like three to four days yeah yeah so yes let's say yesterday I did an hour today I did an hour and a half I'll probably ride again uh, Thursday, Friday, and then because I have the weekend off, I probably won't touch the dirt bike and I'll go ride with my buddies on gravel bike or something. So it depends on what's coming up. If I have a race coming up, there'll be less bicycle. And if, if I have a weekend off, I like to get out and get on the bicycle. So it'd probably be, it'll probably go up a little bit. But I think like last week, I think I had with, uh, with the course pre-ride, I think I had, uh, 15 hours of training or something. Dang, that is. So these, these guys are. These, when people say they wish that was their job, they 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 wish it was for about a week and a half. So yeah. What out of just out of curiosity too, when you say training on the bike, because like in in motor, like it's different from supercross to motocross, and and I can't speak that I like I have trained in it, but they do obviously moto. So it's you know typically you go out and you'll break it up in a couple twenties or a couple thirties depending on motocross versus supercross. What does that look like for you guys? Are you doing like hour and a half motos, so like a, a full tank of gas, or no, no hell no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so that's what like that's one thing that I try and teach. Or uh, there's just some people that do that, and there's so for me, I need you need. I believe you need to have there needs to be a purpose to what everything that you do, and if I go. If I go dirt bike for and just go put in a half-assed hour motor, you're not. There's no way, unless you're going racing. There's no way you can put in an hour motor at 100%. I don't care who you are. And let like that's just an hour motor. Let alone a two-hour motor or or hour and a half motor or something. You're not. It's not going to be at 100%. So what's the point of doing it? Where you could go out and do a. You could go out and do a two-hour bicycle ride closer to 100% because it's I, – I believe it's less – there's less mental focus on a bicycle ride than on the dirt bike. So for me, dirt bike riding, I'm doing 
I would presume I'm doing similar to a, a moto guy uh, training for outdoors. I do, depending on the day and the track conditions and that sort of stuff. So if I go to a motocross track, I'll do uh, a warm up in 230s or maybe do 230s and a and a technique moto, so like a front brake moto or something like that. Uh, and then if I go to the woods and ride, for the majority, my my woods loops that I try and ride, I try and keep them around five minutes so you can do 30 minute motos and, and is that a lower but, intensity to you or do you try to be high intensity in the woods? no that's that's what i'm saying so you want a high I'll intensity ride, a short loop yeah, high I intensity want, sprint stuff. i want i want the because where when we race we don't race at low intensity i think uh on the weekend my average heart weight for the three hours was um i think it was 171 what a machine yes which uh that's amazing and 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 not to like plug our 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 program how many gels are you taking during that and and how much volume of hydration are you taking uh so i'm taking well so we only stop once okay so are you taking a gel before do you take a gel before yeah so take a gel on the start line and then i get well halfway through the race we're stopping for fuel so i'll take a gel land and then i have a liter and a half camelback that i'll drink and then it uh then i'll take bottles especially on the weekend it was dusty uh, huh it was like well yeah it was like 80 degrees so it was hot and uh so then i'll take bottles uh every second lap or something too so are you using um hydration mix in all your bottles or are you using uh, water water only yeah so in the in the bottles we were I'll mix it up depending on how I feel, but for the most part, the bottles are just water, so yeah. like cold water. Because mm-hmm. I run a, so I run, I I don't run the PNG packet in the in my Camelback. I yep. run a another uh, product that has some extra calories and stuff yep, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and that way, so that way, I'm not drinking something that has flavor, and then I get a bottle. I just want something like some cold water and that's normally what I have in my bottles. So, um, so yeah, so really for, as far as calorie intake goes, there's the stuff I have in my, my back, in my camelback, which yep. I can't remember is a whole lot. And I think there's what 90 calories in a PNG in a gel. Yep. And yeah. 80 calories. And yeah. And that's, that's all we get. So yeah. So and you'll use the, our the PNG hydration like during the week, just keep yeah, yeah, maintaining. So just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. And, and I want to be. When it's hot and I want to be. This is good information for our listeners that are using our product. Is our our hydration is really nutritional based and wellness. So it using it during the day, using it pre and post to keep the hydration. But if you're going deep, deep, deep three hour at high heart rate, you're gonna need to add some calories, like using gels. But Josh, because of the racing st- standpoint, he can't get them in quick enough. So you might want to look into another another option for more calories don't rely on just png hydration yeah and 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 it's funny because you you just kind of mentioned it but in that baker conversation that we had was if you're dehydrated it's too late yep so it's good to be consuming it and then supercross guys through alden are only racing for 20 or 30 minutes max all season 35 minutes max all season so they're not racing for three and a half hours so he doesn't like them taking gels because it they wants their calories by just food where you have no option so, yeah. like, we could go into depth. We'll probably have you on later, later on, t- kind of talking on nutrition, Josh. But like, 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's interesting to see, you know, um, I love that we can support you with product. You've been a huge advocate of the Pinnacle Nutrition Group. Um, can't thank you enough. Been a great friend of myself. It's been really cool to see you grow as a, a man and, and have a family. You have a beautiful family. And thanks for your time, man. You're the, I'd say, the first, you know, high-profile guest that I've had on here. I know you'd rip my head off. I sound like an idiot. So, <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks for coming on here, man. It, it, it yeah. wouldn't be possible with, obviously, the Pinnacle Nutrition Group giving us the time during the day to, to let, you know, my two alive share your stories and my stories and, and other guests. Um, would you like, in closing, Josh, you know, want to thank anyone that, you know, supports you? No, well, no, I want to say thanks for you guys and PNG for having me on, man. It's uh, it's cool. Over the past six months, I've had more opportunities to, to share my story. And I think it, when I get to go back and talk about it, it's, I like to bring some of the stories up and, and remind myself and, and let other people know uh, my story. You know, it's, I don't like, you know, me personally, and I'm fairly quiet. Um, give me a couple of beers and I'll open up. But for the most part, when I open up after a couple of beers, it's, there's a whole lot of rubbish coming out. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, like I like sharing the story and, uh, and over the, over these past few months, I've liked talking about it and, and kind of, um, reflecting just, yeah and, and just saying what i think you know it's not i don't like i'm not bashing on anyone no ever, no but I man just, this like this the, the things i have to say it's just my opinion and and if you don't like my opinion don't mean shit to anyone so it's just my opinion yep. and uh I, I like talking and and sharing the stories but uh i mean other thanking people i mean obviously the obviously the sponsor plug the babbitts online kawasaki and monster i mean those guys they help me continue my career and i feel like uh, uh i feel like i'm as strong as i have ever been and i feel like i'm going i we did a did a video the other day caleb and i were actually we on it together and we were talking about a race recap and i was just watching video from 2010 and i'm like man we we look so slow like if <laughs> if i if i wish i could go back now as me back then and i swear i would win every race easily but it's just that's what that's what we over the years i feel like i've grown and and improved and everyone keeps improving so i mean um, i appreciate the time and and all that sort of stuff but uh i got one story i was gonna i was thinking about so when i Let's lived in it. california we uh one of Slater's and my buddy Ricky Gilmore, he's still out there in California. Is this the hot dog uh, shop story? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh man. It's awesome. So we I can't I think we were mountain biking and we were coming back through um Temecula and there was a place called the hot dog shop. <clears throat> and we went in there. I was still I wasn't a huge beer fan, so I must have still been fairly young, maybe twenty two. PBR on tap, Chad. Yeah. Oh, the blue ribbon on tap. And, yes. Cold and frosty so we, mugs. Oh, we go yes. in there and they're tall, yeah, tall mugs. And I think we had maybe two beers each. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'll sit in the back. And it's Gilmore's little Toyota Tacoma, the Red yeah. Rocket. He has yeah, this and it's, and gay. It's he had this gay little like t sport edition um, Tacoma. Yeah. And I was like from Australia, and like the all these Aussies have these like lame as we're talking to one <laughs> no the yeah. Aussies love little hot rod utes right yeah. so this yeah. is like the mo closest so, thing to a hot yeah, rod so, ute so I was a manual and Slater's like oh I'll drive 
And uh, should not have been so driving. He, we we get in the car and he revert. He pulls out and then he reverses up to the door of the hot dog shop and and Gilmore's like, "What are you doing, man?" And Slee's like, "Watch this," and he he puts it in first or whatever and just try, starts doing a burnout. What he thought was a burnout. There's smoke everywhere. No, and all I remember is I'm in the back. I'm in the back laughing. I'm like, "Man, this burnout's sick." And so we. <laughs> We go around the parking block and come and so he's like, oh, I want to check out my marks. And we go there and there's no black marks. <laughs> just, there's just all clutch. <laughs> and, and, oh. and since then, Gilmore reckons his clutch was would uh, would hop taking off on the traffic lights and stuff. He left so, it at the hot dog I left his clutch uh, at the hot dog shop. Yeah, shit was oh. funny, man. Yeah, we, you know what, Josh? On that note, I, I, we did do some really – fun and stupid stuff yeah. um we should have dan on on the on the on the podcast soon talk about his his, yeah. his, his floor mats and his bmw <laughs> but um that's another topic and you know once again my man thank you for the time i think you know the season's midway right we're midway in gncc well technically we would be we've only done four races because of the covid so we're still Still only a quarter of the way through, so okay. we've still got a ways to go. Okay, so on that note, you, you're you're in this man. You're second in points, and we're gonna you're gonna fight. I know you're a fighter, and and you're and you're smarter than ever, and you got a good equipment. So do us all a favor here, and just keep your head down and and give give Caleb a run. I know he's a hell of a competitor yeah. and champion, yeah, that, but I mean, I know that's yeah, your that'd plan. Yeah, that'd be good, and and uh, I mean, Ben is. I'm pretty sure it's his last year, so it'd be cool to get a snag a couple of wins and. And uh, just, I mean, uh, if he's anything like any any other racer, which I'm sure he is, he wants to. He doesn't want to just go out and win by minutes. He wants to battle. He wants to make that win count worth it. You know. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I'd. If I was, if I was going to go win, as much as as easy it would be to just go win by minutes. It'd be, you'd be. You want to talk about that race that you battled that guy for three hours down to the finish line. So. That's what I want to do. I want to go not so much just to battle him. I just want to go race and do the best I can and try and battle whoever I can to the finish line and beat him. You know? So uh, I'll keep my head down and, and uh, keep chipping away. Well, dude, I, I we look forward to watching, and we're excited to see you uh, see what's to come from the, the 114. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We look forward to uh, – more from the Pinnacle Podcast with My Two Life. And uh, have a good day, Josh. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, boys. Bye. Cheers.